is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to this Thursday edition of the Under Centre Podcast. I am your host for this evening, Dara Marr. Uh, for this first part, at least, I am delighted to be joined by Sam Farley. Sam, it's our first chance to actually have you on the show for the start of the new season. How have you been? Yeah, I've been really good, thanks. Just enjoying the new season. Great to have football back. Um, all those carefully laid plans of fancy football, all gone out the window. Um, my team's awful. I, I, yeah, I'm a bit depressed by it all, but it, you know, you wouldn't change it. It's great to have football back. Um, yeah, it's it's been so much fun. I, I'm still, thankfully now, I, I'm still doing okay in leagues. I, I, I have still either a 500 or a winning record, so I, I'm still invested for the time being, but give it a couple of weeks and I could be where <laughs> you're at for sure. Yeah. I, do you know, in a couple of them, my teams aren't actually that bad and I'm at 500, but when I just look at the roster... I just know it's going to be a long season. There's already people getting injured. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, no, I, I got hit by the Elijah Mitchell injury, and then this week uh, the Trey Lance injury. So I've I've been I've been hurt by the 49ers twice already, um, and I almost got stung by the the Gabe Davis injury um, on Monday. They waited until an hour before kickoff to say that he wasn't going to play. Thankfully, I had Adam Thielen on the bench, so I could just do a quick swap, which saved it. But um, yeah, injuries are starting to become an issue. And it's only week two. Well, week three now, I guess. But wow. I mean, the Trey Lance one, uh, devastating. Yeah. Genuinely devastating. Yeah. And we'll we'll speak about uh, Lance and we'll speak a bit more about the 49ers in a little bit. But before we uh, proceed with the show, I I should mention as well that this show tonight is brought to you in partnership with Locker. Locker is a new sports app that centralizes premium sport content and puts the power in the hands of the fans to personalize their world of sport, including a range of premium NFL sources that can be tailored to your fan experience. Download the app for free in the Irish or UK iOS and Play Store today. But let's get into a bit of the NFL chat, Salmon. Um, I've seen a lot of NFL shows this week uh, talk about their most disappointing team so far uh, in the season. And one team that's on a lot of people's lists is the Indianapolis Colts. Um, we've talked, we talked on the show ourselves um, uh, earlier on in the week uh, in, is, and I want to ask the question, is the Frank Reich and Chris Ballard sort of strategy of getting these uh, veteran quarterbacks in for a year or two to fill the gap instead of drafting a quarterback <laughs> is it finally catching up with them maybe I, I think I, I mean I don't think anybody saw this coming for the Colts they've been absolutely abject in in kind of every, every possible way and that's the one thing that kind of makes me think maybe it isn't just about the quarterbacking issue is defensively they weren't particularly good the, I mean, they're very unlucky with the injuries to Pittman uh, and Pierce this past week. I think that was pretty disappointing for them. This sort of strange, they did this last year, this this almost effort to try and turn themselves into a slightly more balanced team, to pass a bit more, when ultimately you've got Jonathan Taylor, just give the guy the rock and let him run. And when they give him the ball, things happen, but they do seem to try to be a bit more balanced, which, look, I understand, but you're sat on a, well, you've not won a game yet, you've drawn one, you lost one. I don't think you could do that anymore. And, I mean, that whole division is, I don't think anybody would have 
predicted after two games it would be looking how it is. But for me, the Colts, hugely disappointing. But we are only two games in. We've seen every every year, there's always teams that you think are down and out after a week or two, and they always turn up. And I, there's too much talent at the core of this team for that not to happen, I think. Matt Ryan, I thought had, I mean, you know, full cards on the table. The Colts are my kind of outside pick to win the Super Bowl, aside from the, the favourites. I thought Matt Ryan had a real chance of winning a couple of awards this season as well. And I still think there's a chance of that. Uh, maybe this is teething problems, a new offence, a new team. But I don't know. I, I think the, the, the wider issues need to be addressed, the defence in particular, because we've seen in the past couple of years, it's been a really good defence and it, it doesn't really look at it at the moment. They've given up, let me just check, 44 points in two weeks to two teams that aren't really highly rated. No, uh, definitely not. And, um, they are lucky in that sense, like you mentioned, the division is being led by the Jaguars, who are one and one. They are still only half a game back, which I guess if you want to look at it with the glass half full source way. Um, but there is this weird thing with the with the Jaguars um, and the Colts when the Colts travel to the Jaguars, because I came across this stat there just um, this afternoon as well, that I think it's been eight years since the Colts have actually won a game in Jacksonville. So there's definitely something in the water down there that is causing them to not be able to perform um, when they travel uh, to take on the Jaguars. Yes, it does seem like a weird hoodoo. And I, I almost think these things have become like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It obviously happened last year. It cost Carson Wentz's time in Indianapolis, really. It cost them a playoff berth. And even leading up to this game, I think everybody thought the Colts would win, but there was still discussion like, oh, they, they don't really do it there. Is this going to be an issue? And I think players do hear this stuff. They do see this stuff in the media. And I think that might be an issue. But I also think there's a chance that, I mean, the Colts... I'm still a bit unsure on what they are. The Titans, I think potentially, I know they've not had the easiest sort of start in terms of schedule. I think potentially they're not the team they've been the past couple of years. Whereas the Texans and Jags, I mean, by no means am I telling you they're good teams, but they were at a point where they couldn't really be much worse. And they do seem to be improving. Um, I think the Texans, like, there's, there's actually a lot to like about them. They're, I mean, they're not going to win a huge amount of games, but... Davis Mills, I think, a solid game manager. Nico Collins, good good sort of second receiver. Damian Pierce, I think, could be quite a promising running back. Um, Brandon Cook's obviously a good player. And like, their defense is sneaky good. So I think I think we need to give the Colts and the rest of the division really time, have a little shake-up, maybe five, six games in, I think we can draw some conclusions. And it might just be that the Colts, sorry, it might just be that the, the Jags and the Texans aren't quite as bad as we think they are because of previous seasons and maybe these results aren't as catastrophic as they, they first appear. Mm -hmm. We mentioned them earlier on at the start there and that's uh, Trey Lance. Of course we did see the terrible injury. Um, he was, he got while playing against the Seahawks, which sort of paved the way for Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, to make his, uh, his comeback into the team. And after all the sort of off season turmoil of, and putting him up on the trade block, you know, um, to not him not being able to train with the team, to nobody wanting him, to people consider it, to, to people thinking that he's going to get released, to him getting his new contract, and to now to see him starting now for the rest of the season, it looks like. Do you think that the 49ers have sort of 
improved now their Super Bowl chances with uh, starting Jimmy G? That is a brilliant question. I, in a vacuum, I think Trey Lance has the potential to be better and would have improved this team more. Uh, I think just the ability to add a deep threat to what is already a fantastic ground game made the 49ers for me a real potential sort of Super Bowl winning team. And I know that first week against the Bears was bad, but uh, look, it's his, his first start of the season. He obviously only, only got a couple of starts last year. It was in a monsoon. I think if there's ever a game, you just say, look, give him a mulligan. Let's judge him on the rest of the games going forward. I think it's that. And the, what he gave that offense or had the potential to give that offense, I think really helped them transcend into a brilliant team, a better team. With Jimmy Garoppolo, I do think we've seen the extent of what the 49ers can be with Jimmy Garoppolo already, and it wasn't quite good enough. And I don't see what they've done that is going to put that team over the top. Now, that being said, there's one thing in, in football, in, in sport, that we can't sort of actually put numbers on, and that is how uh, an important injury, an important um, story, a narrative can sort of galvanise a team. And I think there is a chance if the 49ers kind of play this right, the team could really kind of come together, get behind Garoppolo, and just push this team forward. And I mean, I think they're in a good position because... Just in the division, the Seahawks won't be a threat. The Rams don't look as good as last year. I think their own line looks atrocious. The Cardinals, I, you know, how many years of Cliff Kingsbury now? And I don't, still don't know if he's any good. I, I can't work it out. So I think they had a very good opportunity, even without Trey Lance, to win that division. And once you've, you know, once you're into the playoffs, anything goes. And look, I, I, I think they have a, as good a chance as any, but I still think there are other teams that are just more well-rounded and kind of more balanced that will be able to do more uh, than the 49ers. Mm -hmm. Well, they were still last season with Jimmy Garoppolo and his bum shoulder one game away from the Super Bowl. With his shoulder surgery in the offseason now, this seems to have, you know, fixed any issues um, and improvements that they've made in the team as well. I, I mentioned it when we we did a, an NFC West pre, uh, preview a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned that the, the only thing that could stop the 49ers from challenging that division and possibly going far in the playoffs is injuries. And we've seen it now at the start of the season already that they have suffered significant injuries. They seem to have this voodoo where I remember a couple of years ago, it was the likes of Nick Bosa that went there down in like week two, a couple of players. Um, and now this time they lost Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell in the first week. Um, now he, he should be back uh, later on in the season, but then also Trey Lance as well. And, that, and that's why I sort of agree with you and I have them as a dark horse to possibly, you know, go far this year. Yeah, I I had them as a dark horse. And to be honest, I still do because I think they are very fortunate that they're in a conference with, uh, I mean, in that conference, I, there's nobody there's nobody in that conference I think is going to win the Super Bowl. But, I mean, you've got the Bucks, could be okay. Packers, you could never rule them out. Vikings, you just don't know. Uh, ultimately, there's going to be a couple of teams. I, I mean one team that gets to the, the conference game isn't going to be a brilliant team. And if you, once you reach that, that point, you only need to win two games and you've won the Super Bowl. So 
I think that plays to the 49ers' hands. They've been they've been experienced. They've kind of got to these big games in recent years. That does bode well. So ultimately, I still think they have a hell of a chance, but not quite enough for me to think they've got enough to kind of go over the top and exceed what they did last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about a quarterback that is used to the NFC West and will actually be coming up against the NFC West this week, and that's Russell Wilson. He sort of had a mixed day home debut for the Broncos this past weekend, which included um, him only trying for the one touchdown, getting booed by his home fans, and then the home fans ironically counting down the game clock due to their uh, time <laughs> issues that they were having. It was some spectacle there in Mile High this week. And kind of, you know, I had a bit of a rant about it as well. So it was a, a bit of like a, you know, spoiled child attitude, it seemed to be, from the Broncos fans who, look, I'm sure you would have seen it in your own uh Twitter timeline as well. They were already crowning themselves Super Bowl champions after the trade, and yeah. and, and and now sort of a reality is starting to hit them. Yeah, I I am a bit. I don't know. I don't know what to think about the Broncos because I I thought maybe not Super Bowl champs, but I thought this is a team that could go far. They've got good, not brilliant, but a good defense. They've got Sutton and Judy. I think Sutton is a brilliant receiver. Judy has all the tools to be a top, top receiver. I think Javante Williams is one of the most exciting players in the league. I, I really do. So I was just thinking, this is an, and they've got a good offensive line, and I was thinking this is a team that could really kind of take that leap. And it just hasn't happened. And, I mean, losing to that Seahawks team is is bad. And the result at the weekend, I know they kind of got away with one, but it, it's bad. And I think what's more worrying is for Nathaniel Hackett, he he's basically it's two games in and he's lost the respect of everybody in that locker room I'd imagine he has 100% lost the respect of the fans and I don't think I've ever seen maybe in any sport I don't think I've ever seen a game two seasons into a new season with a new coaching staff that seems that toxic already which I don't know how you can get back from that it's it's only going one way and Nathaniel Hackett won't be doing a second year there I'm, I'm pretty certain of that already um, but I mean they still have the players to actually be good so again like I said earlier I don't want to count somebody out after two weeks but I mean it, it really isn't looking good and I mean they're in a, a tough division as well so it's not a good time if you're a Broncos fan I think no, not at all. And it was and it, it was a fear that I had heading into the season with Russ and you know, me being a Seahawks fan, I know all about it. With Russ, he, he is quite a you know, a decisive character, um a divisive sorry character I should say, um at times and with such a rookie head coach coming into this that and all the vibes he was given out through the offseason say this is Russell's offense, you know, we're gonna cater around Russ. He's given him a lot of power. I think maybe he's trying to take a little bit back, which, you know, with that choice to go for the field goal from 63 yards, wasn't it, against Seattle? And then, you know, I think there was a there was an occasion, it was the same fourth and two. I think you, they were on the 43-yard line. It would have been a, a 53-yard field goal. Um, he decides not to do it. Then they have a delay of 
game penalty. It goes back and then he ended up punting, even though they were still at this range that he missed from on on Monday. It seems as though, yeah, he, he's a bit of a, a deer caught in the headlights at the moment. And I, I tend to agree with you there, Sam, that I'd be surprised if he makes it into a second year. And it'd be interesting to see how much influence Russ will have in the in the choice of the next head coach because I'm sure um, he would not want someone um, that would um, be as authoritative as P. Carroll was. I'm sure that's one of the reasons why he wanted to get out of Seattle too. So mm. I'm sure he would want someone that, I'm not going to say control is the thing, but someone that will let him do what he wants to do. Yeah, I think I think that's a really interesting point because, look, you've got someone like Aaron Rodgers is your QB. He's so good, or or Mahomes potentially. Any of these top, top, top guys, top five guys, I think if you're a GM, you give them a pretty good say in who's going to be the head coach. With Russ, he was very good at times in Seattle. He's definitely in the top half of quarterbacks in the NFL but I don't think he's quite at that truly elite table. And I think you've got to question how much you'd want him to be inputting in on the future of your franchise. So I think that's a really interesting point. And he's just an odd character, isn't he? I mean, you must know that better than most, but I've never seen someone who can say so many, you know, you're a quarterback in the NFL and you're saying stuff like let Russ cook, you know, ride Broncos, all this stuff. Somehow, that should be so cool, but he he comes across like a substitute teacher. It's the most weird like energy I've ever seen like a, a top level professional athlete have. But I, I think the Broncos will will improve. They can't be that bad forever. Um, but it is just a matter of I mean, I, I, Hackett is on on the hot seat already. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we look ahead to the Thursday Night Football, just one more um, storyline from last weekend I want to get your opinion on. And that was the bonkers game that was in Baltimore between the Ravens and the Dolphins with, with Tua showing up with six touchdowns, Lamar getting four of his own and a rushing touchdown. Um, first with the, the Miami side of things um, with Tua, is this the Tua coming out party? Is this what we're going to see now for the rest of the season, especially with Hill and Waddle there with with um, for him to target? And then on the Baltimore side with, with Lamar again showing how, how, good he, how good and dangerous he can be both in the air and on his feet, showing that maybe the Ravens, you know, trying to not say give him a cheap deal, but maybe not pulling all the stops out for him, maybe something they could regret. Yeah, I think, well, let's, I guess let's start with the Dolphins. Tua for me was the guy coming into this season, the QB that had the most to prove. I think he's been incredibly hard done by at times this year. Uh, sorry, not this year, this, this sort of uh, professional career he's had thus far. I think the Dolphins sort of courting Tom Brady was, a bit below the belt. I think it's it's been clear at times he's not had full trust from, from everybody involved in the team. Um, but this year, they've got a new coach. It finally felt like everything was sorted. They've gone and got him, Tyreek Hill, to, to go against, sorry, alongside Waddle, two incredible playmakers. If he didn't do it this year, I think it's safe to say he'd be a bust. I think that would be a fair enough assumption to say, at least in terms of what they paid for him. But 
he looks far from that. I think we always knew the accuracy was there. There were doubts about the arm, the arm strength. I think he's shown that some of those doubts are erroneous. His arm isn't that weak. He, but ultimately, even if he doesn't have you know a cannon for an arm, he's not Josh Allen. If you have that much accuracy and you've got two guys who are so good after the catch in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, it, it doesn't matter. And those two... That might be, look, I think there's probably better receiving duos in the NFL. But is there a receiving duo in the NFL that has that much speed and agility? I'm not sure. And I think they're just going to be so fun to watch the Dolphins all year because they're not they're not out of it. And the defense is like reasonably good as well, which is nice. And then talk about the, the QB on the other sideline, Lamar Jackson. He's my favorite QB in the league. I love watching him play. And I, with his, the whole contract thing, I get it from both sides of the sides of the uh, defense because if you're Lamar Jackson, you see Deshaun Watson, what he's done to then earn a contract like that is it's pretty galling if you're not getting that from your own team, especially when you, you know you've won an MVP award, you've been absolutely fantastic the whole way through your career with the team. But at the same time, if I'm the Ravens, we all know about how he uses his feet. And that is what makes Lamar, I think that's what transcends him from being a very, very good quarterback to being a top five guy. But ultimately, that's also, we've seen it, we've seen it throughout throughout the past years. That is also what gets people injured. And would you want to fully guarantee somebody who is taking chances like that? I personally wouldn't. But I think it's got to the point now, you have to do it. You absolutely just have to gamble and put your money on it because... I think he's showing more and more with each and every week. His arm is very, very good. And when he first sort of started playing for the Fal- uh, Falcons, started playing for the Ravens, there was a lot of question marks about, oh, he's this running back of a mediocre arm. And it's got progressively better. He's accurate. I mean, was it Bateman had a like great long ball for uh, this past week? The guy can throw a, a rock as well. Like he is... He's, he, I think he's got it all, and I think that the Ravens have to pay up now. But, I mean, these are two guys. I think we're going to see both of them in the playoffs. And, you know, we, we might see them face each other again at some point. Big call, big call. Getting both of them in the playoffs for sure. And um, Putting your stall out early, Sam. I like that now. I like that. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's actually have a look ahead now to Thursday night's game. Of course, the uh, Steelers at the Browns. These sort of NFC North matchups are always, you know, hard-hitting, um, low-scoring affairs, and especially with the QBs on show as well, it, it, it kind of lends the fact that it's going to continue that way. Um, the line currently is 38 and a half at the time we're recording this. Now, would you be looking at an under and over or over for that game? I'd go over. Um, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I'd say the Browns will cover. Um, I think they're just their, their defense is is good. And I, I worry so much about that that uh, Steelers offense. Uh, the, I think the line's not very good. And the Browns, I think Jadavion Clowney's out. Um, I'm, I think that's the case. Um, but even without him, I think they've still got enough kind of ability on the outside to cause real problems. But I mean, I'd, it's a good game. I mean, the Browns Steelers, it's always a game you go and watch, but 
it's nice. I think this is the first Thursday night football of the year that hasn't been a, I absolutely must stay awake and struggle through work on Friday. So it's going to be a nice one. I don't feel the pressure to stay awake. I'll just watch it on Friday and enjoy it again. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be an exciting game. It should be interesting. Um, and it looks as though it's going to come down to which rushing attack is is the better. And, you know, a lot has been expected of Najee Harris this year. He's sort of failed to deliver so far. Um, his rushing stats have not been great. Um, you're looking at the other side of the ball um, and you're looking at, you know, um, who was it? Uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. You know, Nick Chubb going in just for the just for the three touchdowns. You know, last weekend against against the Jets. I'm sure Kareem Hunt would be thinking, you know, share that a, a little bit, please, with me. Um, so I'm guessing in terms of you know possible touchdown scores, I, I guess you'd be looking at those three, thinking that they would be sort of high on your list of possible touchdown scores for this Thursday. I think so. So I kind of had a little look at the markets earlier and I was kind of deciding if I had to do a couple of bets, where would I go? Nick Nick Chubb touchdown, I think, is 10 to 11. I just don't see a world in which that doesn't happen. Um, I think he's so good. He's so integral to their play. Um, and I, I think he's going to just run through that team. So I think that's, a, that's one I'd definitely go for. Now, you mentioned Najee Harris. I'm, I'm a bit down on Najee Harris. I don't think he's... I think he did well last year through sheer volume. I don't think he's a particularly elusive back. I don't think he's a particularly great back. Um, I think they probably drafted him a bit too high. But, you know, he's got the volume there. But I still, I the numbers this year are just not good enough for me. So I'm expecting him. I don't think he'll get in the end zone. I, I'd probably back his under on rushing yards, which I think is 55. Um, I'm not expecting a big game from him. But there's one guy outside of those guys, a receiving option. I... I really like for this game, both in being his receiving yards and in getting a touchdown as well. And that is a uh, Pat Frymouth of the Steelers. I mean, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I mean, we know rubbish tight, rubbish QBs love a tight end. That's just, just one of the rules of football. And I, I think Mitch Trubisky isn't long for the starters job in Pittsburgh. I think he'll look to kind of get it off to, to Frymouth as much as possible, but, also, I'm going to quickly double check here the name, who it was. So in the the Browns' last couple of games, they've been pretty awful against tight ends. Um, against the Jets, it was, what's his name? Tyler Tom Conklin. Tyler Conklin. Yeah, had a, had a good game. The, the game before that against the Panthers, it was, uh, it was Ian Thomas. You know, neither of these guys are... Are particularly elite tight ends, and they had a really good game against against the Browns. And I think that's one way you can attack them, and um, just quick passes off to the tight end. And I think we're going to see a bit of that on on Thursday night football. And I think Pat Pat Frymouth could be the guy to uh, to be the beneficiary. Okay, so looking at then we're looking at an over thirty eight. You're thinking the the Browns to cover, um, maybe a Pat Frymouth anytime touchdown and Nick Chubb anytime touchdown. I think that's a nice bet builder. I think you can get some decent yeah, odds on that. Yeah, I think yeah, that's, so. that's going to be a good price. Oh, for sure. I'm going to put that on now straight after we're done recording and see <laughs> see how much we can get. <laughs> I'll share the profits with you. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> listen, Sam, it's always great to speak to you. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Um, for anyone that's interested in in following you and getting possible betting tips as well for for the weekend, where can they follow? Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. 
at Farley Writes. Um, I'm doing a number of things for covers and Action Network and Dimers at the moment. And uh, yeah, just find me on Twitter and you'll see everything there. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. And um, until the next time we speak, um, hopefully you enjoy the football um, at the weekend and a few weeks. I've actually never asked before. So who is your team in the NFL? I'm a, a Jags fan, unfortunately. Right. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I've got it. I, well, then I should mention then the Jags won me a bit of money last week. So I'm very happy about that. I had a nice double with them and the Jets to win. Uh, just go straight for the money line. I felt Ooh. there was a, I felt there was a, a surprise coming and there was. So I was very happy. What's, after what's the first that? Day. Um, I put five down and I got 38 back. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. That's a nice bet. Yeah. So it was a nice little double there. We won't talk about the rest of them I put on that weekend. But, uh, we'll just... <laughs> um, but we'll just mention that. I always just mention the winners. Uh, but listen, like I said, Sam, thanks again so much for the time. And we'll speak again soon, no doubt. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our preview for the Thursday night football game. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns. Hey, thank you for watching this latest edition of the Under Center podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to watch, listen, or even just follow us on social media. We we appreciate all the support that we get, and hopefully we can uh, continue to get your support throughout the NFL season. Before we do go, just want to let you know about a prediction league we're running in uh, association with Fanzo. They are an app that we've partnered up with for this season to run a prediction league. Uh, all you need to do to take part of it is follow the instructions beside me here. You just download the app Fanzo, go to the NFL tipping game, put in a few details, your favorite team, then go to join the league. And all you need to do is put in the word center, C-E-N-T-R-E, to join the league. Um, we ha- we're we looking to get about 50 people involved if we can um, so that we can get some great prizes at the end of this season for that um, so like I said, download the Fanzo app <clears throat> go to the NFL tipping game put in some details put in the code CENTER C-E-N-T-R-E to join our league put in your predictions each week and if you're at the top of the table at the end of the season you could be in for a very very good prize but that is all from this edition of the show thank you very much and until next time stay safe we'll see you soon